The following interview originally aired on KPOV 88.9 on the Tuesday Point. You can listen to The Point on KPOV each weekday at 9 a.m. on 88.9 FM in Central Oregon and kpov.org. Coming up on our show today, we will be talking about the environment, specifically two bills. And now we are headed into our our interview this morning with Haley K. Scott and Danny Noonan, we're going to discuss two very important issues about our environment. Uh, these are bills pending in the Oregon legislature. The first is a resolution on environmental justice aimed at correcting the disproportionate impact of environmental problems on communities of color and low-income communities. And the other deals with the requirement to take into account both climate change and equity in making land use decisions. So we are joined by two great young organizers from Beyond Toxics in Eugene, Danny Noonan and Haley K. Scott. Uh, Danny and Haley, welcome to the show. Can you uh, let's let's start with Haley? Haley, can you tell us a little bit about a little quickly about your background and why you're engaged in uh, environmental justice and climate work? Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Bruce, and thanks for having us on the show today. So I'm Haley K. Scott, and I am a member of the Confederated Tribes of Plus Indians and a descendant of the Klamath Tribe, the Yurok Tribe of the Manichapamah. And I grew up in Southern Oregon. I went to the University of Oregon and graduated in 2018. Um, and I've been working for Beyond Toxics and the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, Eugene Springfield Chapter, for almost a year now. Before that, I worked as a research assistant for the Pacific Northwest Tribal Climate Change Project, and that's what kind of launched me into this work as an organizer and as someone who wants to make sure that Black, Indigenous, people of color, Native Americans, African Americans, you know, low-income communities, real populations aren't forgotten about in uh, this fight that we're leading to address climate change. And so that's, that's one of the big reasons that why I'm doing this work is just because, you know, I am a person of color, I'm a Native American woman, and I've, you know, been on the front lines for all my life, pretty much. I really value the natural and cultural resources that I grew up with, and seeing seeing things change, it, it's really transformative, and so I just, I don't think there's any time left to wait. And so that's, that's a really quick overview of my background. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks, Haley. Uh, it's really great to have you. Uh, Danny, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're interested in doing this uh, environmental justice and climate work? Uh, yes, excuse me. Yes, yes of course. Um, I, um, my background is um, I'm actually a, a dual uh, citizen of, of uh, the United States and Australia, and I, I grew up in Australia, and um, I'm, I'm a lawyer by training in that country, um, but uh, sort of during law school became increasingly interested in, in I guess, environmental advocacy and, and trying to use the, the law in a way to, to address things like the climate crisis. Um, and that's actually what brought me to, to Oregon and to Eugene um, was I got an opportunity to work on international climate advocacy with an organization called Our Children's Trust. Um, and so I worked in that job uh, for the last few years and then left that in early 2020 and, you know, sort of looking at where sort of my, my advocacy and my career would sort of shift after that. I was sort of thinking more around sort of local and state-based efforts and then, you know, a, a fantastic opportunity popped up with Beyond Toxics to work on uh, solutions at the state level. And, you know, I think, you know, as, as someone who sort of lived through the 
wildfires in September in, in, in Oregon and some of the other impacts we've experienced this year, you know, that the time really is right to be taking action on climate change and addressing some fundamental justice issues that exist in the state. In, in the state. Okay, thank you both. Uh, really, really excited to have you. So let's uh, let's dig in uh, to these two bills. So there's two uh, big bills in the Oregon legislature uh, this year on climate. One of them is is environmental justice, and the other is the climate and and equity and um, land use decisions. Uh, if it's okay with you, I'd like to start with the environmental justice resolution. So uh, maybe Haley, if you can get us started, what is well, let's start with this. What is environmental environmental justice? I, I, it's a term that a lot of us are familiar with, I think, but some may not necessarily be. Can you talk about that and then how this legislation will impact that in Oregon? Yeah, thank you, uh, Bruce. I think environmental justice, it just ensures that Black, Indigenous, people of color, those who have been historically left out of the conversations or at the decision-making table when it comes to addressing environmental pollution, environmental degradation, because they're the ones hit first and worst, um, and they're generally the ones that are located next to these to these hazards that contribute to their, their life and their quality of life. And so I think that's kind of just my take on environmental justice, you know, as we do this work. I think there are a lot of different definitions, different understandings, different takes on it, but I just see it that you know, that communities of color have been harmed by unjust and discriminatory citing of pollution and other environmental hazards. And then now, you know, we're finding ourselves bearing the brunt of the climate crisis, so it's exacerbated. And it's on top of all of these other social life health determinants, including, you know, we're more likely to be uh, in poverty. We're more likely to have low-quality housing. We're more likely to have these increased, um, these intense health conditions. I just think about Native American communities. They're placed on reservations. You know, the leading, one of the leading causes is HIV. One of the leading causes of death is diabetes. And, you know, now we're losing our ties to our cultural and natural resources. I mean, it's just, there's a lot going on there. And so that's my, that's my personal take on what environmental justice means. All right. And how, uh, and I guess either one of you uh, on this, what, what will this resolution? Well, let me. What will this resolution do to address these issues in Oregon? Haley, I, I might take a take an attempt at that, and then you can follow up if that sounds good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, a, a resolution um, doesn't uh, doesn't mandate. Um, any agencies to do anything in, in particular. It, it's essentially a um, expression of the sort of opinion and will of the legislature. And so the idea of this joint resolution was kind of to set out a, a roadmap and a sort of framework of shared principles uh, for addressing environmental justice in Oregon. And, and in Oregon is, is important there, and, and, and I emphasize that because... Um, you know, our, Oregon, uh, our environments and our communities and, and our demographics mean that, you know, there are particular environmental justice issues here. So, you know, for example, you know, aerial spraying in, in many communities in Western Oregon, you know, that affects their drinking water, that affects their, their communities and their backyards. And that's an environmental justice issue as well that, you know, is, has a somewhat different flavor to some of the issues that might be seen in, in large cities. Yeah, Danny, just, um, for just example. Re- 
just real quick, I'm sorry. Can you just uh, quickly explain when you say aerial spraying what you mean by that? Yeah, so so by aerial spraying, I mean the use of uh, pesticides and herbicides on industrial uh, timber plantations um, after a clear cut to uh, sort of prevent the first growth and, and allow for replanting on uh, uh, typically Douglas fir in, in you know west of the Cascades, um, and you know this is this is used to allow for, for timber to be regrown, but you know, does have impacts when those chemicals run off into watersheds and affect salmon populations and drinking water quality and things like that. You know, not to mention, you know, other environmental impacts that occur uh, from uh, industrial forestry, you know, in terms of uh, uh, sediment runoff and things like that. Um, So that's just an example of something that rural communities in the state face as a form of environmental injustice. Um, But... I guess turning back to the resolution, um, having a sort of statement of um, what the legislature understands environmental justice to mean in this state and what they think uh, is necessary to achieve it um, starts a conversation in that body of the government of the government and you know paves the way for legislation uh, like the uh, Equity and Climate and Land Use Act, but not limited to that. So. I mean, a, an example at the federal level would be the um, the Green New Deal resolution, which you know has was sort of described as a a request for proposals at the time, and has really sort of brought about a lot of thinking, not just in the legislature about how to achieve um, climate justice through that sort of frame or lens, but also you know in in universities and in civil society. All right, great. Yeah, thank you. So it, it basically it kind of sets a framework. Uh, for all the other decisions, really, the legislature makes, uh, especially those around, like you said, things like land use. And um, so that's great. Thank you very much, both of you. So let's move to the the other um, the other piece, which is an actual bill in in the. Uh, when I say actual, I just mean it's a bill as opposed to a resolution uh, for equity and climate and land use. So uh, can you uh, talk about? How well? Yeah, I, I, I suppose just dig into what what is this resolution? It's HB twenty four eighty eight. This bill address. Yeah, I can take a I can take a go at that one. Um, and so, what does it address? You know, addressing climate change in Oregon it it requires rethinking how we use land for natural resources um, and public facilities and communities. Because we can't address climate change without addressing the legacy of land use decisions that have failed many of our communities in Oregon. I mean, we have historically racist land use zoning policies that dictated who could buy a house in Portland, who couldn't buy a house in Portland, um, and throughout the rest of the state. I mean, you look at the state of Oregon, I'll just be honest, it's pretty white. We have such a, a low population of Native American communities, of BIPOC communities, just because of, you know, our access to resources, our access to um, and our ability to even afford a quality housing. And so that's why, you know, in Oregon, statewide planning planning goals, they're, they're a national standard for balanced and deliberate planning, but they have to be updated <clears throat> um, to address climate change and achieve environmental justice. And so what does it do? Um, it, you know, it's going to require HB 2488 for equity and land use and climate. Um, it directs the Land Use Conservation and Development Commission to amend the statewide planning rules 
to address climate change while uh, encouraging the reduction of greenhouse gas emissions. And, you know, and it recognizes that our current mining system, it lacks factual data on how vulnerable communities are impacted. And so this bill, it would require that the LCGC, or the LCCD, yeah, to obtain that factual data on how vulnerable communities are impacted by climate change to be used to inform decision-making. Um, and, you know, and the big one, it really recognizes that our land use goal, number one, it includes citizen engagement, but it doesn't ensure equal access. And so it would aim to ensure equal and fair notice to impacted communities and consultation and mutual concurrence with the needs of American tribes and communities. And it calls for the establishment of an environmental justice advisory committee to advise the LCDC on environmental justice. Um, and that is made up of a majority of stakeholders with environmental and social justice experience and interest. And one of the big ones that I'm really excited about, it doesn't seem big, but I think it's big, is that it requires an update of the outdated term of minorities that is used in statute. And so, you know, we really think that this is an outdated and it's a, an offensive term. And so it updates it to actually be more representative of who our communities are and how we identify in the state of Oregon. And so rather than being under this umbrella term, you know, we actually say that we're Black or African American, that we're Hispanic or Latino, that we're Asian, that we're Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, that we're American Indian and Alaska Native. And so, you know, that's that's kind of the wide-ranging, high-level overview of what this, what this bill is going to achieve. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Haley. So uh, we've got uh, just a few more minutes. Unfortunately, this always goes by so fast, and I, I really appreciate the the great information uh, you have been giving us. I, I'm going to ask what might be kind of a hard question, but and Haley, you sort of you sort of get t- hinted at the, something you're really excited about. So if each of you can tell me uh, what, uh, let's start with uh, Danny since Haley went last. What, in your view, is the most important uh, aspect of Whichever one of these bills you want to pick, what's the most important thing to you? I know that's I know there's a lot, but I think that would be interesting. Yeah, um, I'm I'm just going to talk. I don't know if it's the most important thing, but I think it's it's something that might have the most sort of concrete change in in people's lives in Oregon, and that's um, the um, direction that we hope will be in the equity and climate and land use bill. Um, for the um, State Department of Land Conservation Development to amend uh, Goal 1 of the statewide land use planning goals. Now, that that sounds like quite a sort of technical and wonky thing, but that Goal 1 concerns uh, what, what in the 1970s they called citizen participation mm. in uh, land use decisions. We're looking to shift that to public participation, but what that sort of means on the ground is that you know, zoning changes and other land use decisions. If if you're looking to um, to change a, a zoning to sort of industrial use um, in a particular community or, or something like that, you're only required to give notice and sort of invite the participation of property owners within a certain radius. And, and it depends on whether you're inside or outside the, the urban growth boundary. Um, what we're sort of hoping for is a sort of reimagining or sort of revisioning of that goal to sort of recognize that impacts from changes in land use and from using land in certain ways don't just affect property owners in the immediate vicinity, but they have downstream impacts. So if you start, uh, again, I'll use a forestry example. If you 
you know, change zoning near a watershed to, you know, allow for logging there, then that may have impacts on on drinking water quality downstream. Or if you allow discharges from um, a particular, you know, industrial plant or something like that, that there may also be downstream impacts there that sort of don't just affect property owners, but they affect renters, they affect um, people who, you know, use those places for work and recreation and things like that. And what this goal change would do, would it would invite um, that full spectrum of, of community members to, you know, give them notice and invite them into uh, the planning process and make those zoning decisions based on the impacts to them rather than just immediate impacts to, to property owners, to landowners. All right. Thank you very much. I, I am glad you pointed that out and explained it. That's that's very important. Uh, Haley, what about you? What what to you stands out uh, as the most or among the most important aspects of these bills? Yeah, Danny had a lot more specific <laughs> goal than I will. I'll just I'll just say you know with both of these bills and just as a as a climate justice grassroots organizer that the most important thing is that it uplifts our BIPOC voices and it centers the needs and make sure that we're going to address the issues that have historically been impacting us. Um, you know, because I really think that we can't achieve environmental justice or climate equity unless we um, recognize and reconcile and rectify historical injustices. And so in order to do that, we have to make sure that there's an equitable distribution or redistribution of resources. And so that means that we need to be at the decision making tables. And so, that's what I really think that these both of these bills will achieve. All right. Thank, thank you very you. much. So now I know uh, we just have a couple of minutes, but I know that there is uh, a big uh, a big campaign uh, with the uh, uh, several different environmental groups. I know Beyond Toxics is in the leadership uh, to make the public aware of this legislation and um, get the public involved in moving the legislature to to pass them, to discuss them and pass them. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and how, if people want to get involved, what would be the best way they can do it? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take a, take an attempt at that. Um, so, uh, yeah, there is a coalition of organizations sort of building around um, these two bills in particular. Um, that includes um, both Beyond Toxics and the Eugene Springfield and uh, Portland branches of the NAA. CP, as well as a number of other supporting organizations throughout the state. Um, and if people do want to get involved, um, then uh, I, I'd encourage them to visit uh, Beyond Toxics website. Um, you can also go straight to beyondtoxics.org slash EJ2021, and you'll be able to find out more information about the bills, and, and there's a way that there's a form that you can fill out to sort of sign up to um Help uh, help support the bills passage through the legislature, lobby representatives, et cetera, et cetera. All right, thank you very much, Danny. Um, Haley, as a grassroots organizer, anything to add there? I would just say pay attention to the legislative session here. It's already it's already kicked off, and so you know once we can get public hearing for both of these bills, I hope people will come out and testify and say why it's important. And so, if you're really interested in getting involved, I would just say keep an eye on that. Um, and then also just, just get your people involved. Go get the word out. I mean, everybody uses social media now. I, I, I act like I'm an old person. I'm kind of young, but I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a platform. So just use your platform if you really want to, if you really want to support these types of these goals. So 
That's what I'll just add. All right. Thank you very much. I'm, uh, again, very grateful to have uh, uh, two young, uh, energetic, um, powerful organizers on the phone here. It, it, you, you give us hope. I, I, you may not know that, but you give old guys like uh, me and Steve. <laughs> Steve's been quiet this morning. You, you inspire us and give us hope. So we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, thank you again. Hope we'll get a chance to talk to you again one of these days. Thank you, Bert. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and our program schedule, please visit kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcasts at kpov.org.